0: a welcome again today if you have a bible we're going to be hanging out in joshua chapter 6 this morning Uh, joshua chapter 6 is where we're going to be spending our time so we're we're kicking off a brand new series today called we can't stay here um, it's gonna be in the next four weeks, and I'm really excited as we just try and lay before you um, what the the mission and vision of of Grace Hills. And so um, the, let me ask you this question real fast. Okay, How many of you have ever had um, maybe maybe your car or your home uh, broken into and somebody stole something from you? Anybody ever had that happen before, right? Yeah. That it, it's, a, it's an unsettling feeling, right? Like any, anybody else, just, man, you just, you, your sense of security, your sense of comfort in that place is all of a sudden taken away from you. Anybody else exp- know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, well, it's that same feeling that, that almost the whole nation had in 1957, uh, 1957. Some of you maybe remember that, but I won't ask you to raise your hand. Um, but in, in 1957, that sense of security in our country was ripped away, was was stolen because Russia had launched, formerly known as the Soviet Union, had launched an orb like uh, an orb like thing into the sky. It had spikes on it, and they named it Fellow Traveler or Sputnik. This was launched into the sky, and everybody in the nation wondered um, if the next satellite was going to be dropping missiles on us. Like they would do this drill in school, where they would actually hide under desks. And uh, I just I, I don't know who thought that was a good plan of action, but that's what they did. And 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 so so this is the the, the fear that was all throughout. Um, our nation. They were wondering whether um, they were watching us, whether they were listening to us, you could actually turn your radio on, you could hear Sputnik orbiting the earth. And it entered into this time known as the Cold War. And all of a sudden, something that nobody really thought all that possible, the skies had literally been taken away. The skies had literally been taken away. And so our president at the time, John F. Kennedy, took a decisive course of action to reclaim the skies. It was a quest to reclaim the high ground. The, and this is what happened in, in 1961 in, before a joint session of Congress. President Kennedy laid out a dream that would become known as the moonshot speech. And this is what he said. He said, we're going to take back the sky. We're going to reclaim the high ground of outer space. They may have gotten Sputnik into orbit around our planet, but we are going to leapfrog beyond them as we take this incredible step of faith and leap into the unknown, which would mean us as a nation going to the moon. And and he said, we choose not to go to the moon, Uh, we we choose to go to the moon and not wait. Um, We we don't choose to do this because it's easy, but because it's hard. And and it was an inspiring speech. And experts later estimated that that as as Kennedy laid this gauntlet down, that we're going to send a man to the moon and bring him back safely again. That America's space program was almost non-existent at this point. And there would have to be 10,000 different steps and things that would have to take place in order for that to happen by the end of the decade like Kennedy dreamed. The mission seemed impossible to retake the skies. And yet, the nation was all of a sudden filled with hope for the future. The nation was filled with hope for the future. The leaders of our country were determined that we couldn't stay where we were in our space program, that it had to move forward. Was it risky? Absolutely. But it was worth the risk. It was worth the risk. Today we want to look at another mission in Joshua chapter six. That seemed impossible. And and the people of Israel. They had to make a choice. They, they, they stood on the banks of the Jordan River and they had to make a decision if they were going to stay there right where they were, where it was safe, where it was comfortable, where it was easy, or were they going to cross the Jordan and enter into the land that God had promised them, enter into the unknown, enter into um, an incredibly risky situation and go and take the land that God had promised them. Would they take that step? Would they move? And honestly, this is the question that we are faced with today as well. And I'm going to propose over the next few weeks that we can't stay here. Let's pray and jump into it. Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace. I pray, Lord, that you would help Grace Hills to be a people that are full of faith. Faith not in what we can see, faith not in what we can um, uh, obtain with our own hands, but faith in you, Jesus. That, That we would believe beyond what our imaginations could ever imagine. That we would hope beyond what we could ever think possible. And that we would trust that we are not the ones in control, but you are. And you are able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. And so I pray, Lord, today and over the next few weeks as we, as we walk through just some of the mission and vision of our church, Lord, that, that, that our hearts would be grabbed by you. And you would help us to take up the calling that we can't stay here. So, Jesus, we need you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Joshua chapter 6 Uh, starting in verse Um, 1. Let's take a look at it together here. And this is what it says. It says, Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelite. No one was allowed to go in or... Out. No one was allowed to go in or out. So this is what's going on here in case you're unfamiliar with um, this story. Um, the, the, the people of Israel have been delivered out of slavery in Egypt to a land that God had promised their forefather Abraham all the way back in Genesis chapter 12. And so what has happened now is, is the, 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 the people of Israel have been delayed in coming to the promised land because they were fearful And they have spent the last 40 years wandering in the wilderness. And now they come to the promised land. And the first task that they are given in taking this land that God had promised them is to take the impenetrable Jericho. You see, Jericho was a military stronghold. This was a, a, a place that was thought to be impenetrable. This was the first line of defense for all of the land of Canaan. People thought, if nobody's ever going to be able to take Jericho, therefore nobody will ever take the land of Canaan. The walls of Jericho, it, it, the city of Jericho was surrounded by walls, okay? And let me just give you kind of an idea of, of how, um, how big these walls were. The Jericho was surrounded by um, a great earth embankment with a stone retaining wall at its base. The retaining wall was at 12 to 15 feet high, okay? So, so if you go to the top of these wood planks, that's about 16 feet, okay? Uh, so so that, that's from the earth to the top of the first stone retaining wall, 16, 15 feet-ish, okay? And it was at least six feet thick. It was at least six feet thick. But then on top of that, there was another wall that was 20 to 26 feet high and at the crest of the the mud brick wall, whose base was roughly 46 feet above the ground level outside the retaining wall. This is the wall that encompassed all of Jericho. This is the wall that the people of Israel could see from a distance this was the wall that, that, that you can just imagine standing, staring straight up at this wall in the magnitude and, and the weight of, okay, we're supposed to take this city? This is, this is the place we're supposed to take? This, this impenetrable fortress with this incredible giant wall? This is what the Israelites faced. This is what they saw. This is what they looked like. It seemed humanly impossible. This mission that God had given them to take the city of Jericho seemed impossible. How could they ever? How could, how, could, how, could they, how could they take a city when they can't even get to the people who control the city? The mission seemed humanly impossible. Let's keep reading, though, in verse 2. It says, But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king and its strong warriors, you and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you're going to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can. And the walls of the town will collapse, and the people will charge straight, straight into the town. So not only does it seem like an impossible mission, the battle plan seems humanly illogical. doesn't make, in fact, it's dumb, right? Like this is a dumb battle plan. If you can imagine with me for a minute, um, uh, you know, Joshua, he walks into the tent with his generals and his commanders, and they're discussing, okay, what's the battle plan here? What, what, what's, the, what's the path we should take? And so they're, they're, they're kind of having a discussion, and one general's like, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to build a bunch of ladders, and we're, we're just going to throw the ladders up on the wall, and we're going to scale the wall, and we're, then we're going to take the city. And another general's like, no, that's a terrible idea. That's too bloody, too messy. Um, so, so another general's like, well, we could build um, catapults, and put some big rocks in them, and just Hurl those things at the wall and take it down that way. And another guy's like, no, let's just, let's just do a siege and, and we can just um, starve them out. And they're like, no, okay. And then Joshua's finally, he's like, "Hey guys, here's the thing. I heard from the Lord. Here's the plan. We're going to get the worship band together. And we're going to march for the first six days. Just one time though, okay? But on the seventh day, and this is the real kicker here. We're going to march seven times, and when we get to the end of the seventh time, we're going to shout a great shout, and the walls are going to fall down flat. What do you think? I can just imagine how that meeting went. Like, we have team meetings here sometimes, and I throw out ideas, and our team is like, Marcus, that's dumb. You know, I can just, I can see that happening um, here and yet, this is the plan of attack that God gives the people of Israel. It's a humanly illogical plan of attack. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. This is, this is not good plan. Our worship band is good, but, I mean, knocking down those walls, I don't know. And this is the plan of attack. It's humanly impossible. It's humanly illogical. This is is what sits before the people of Israel. This is what sits before the people of Israel. And today we, as, as, as a church in the foothills of Colorado in 2024, we have an impossible mission in front of us, humanly speaking. Our plan of attack is going to seem humanly illogical. 285 Corridor is known as one of the most spiritually dark places in our whole country. We live in one of the most beautiful places on earth, I'm convinced, but one of the most spiritually dark places simultaneously. Simultaneously that the enemy has a foothold here. I was looking at some research this week and in, in, in this area of our country ranks higher statistically in categories you don't want to rank higher in. Like a, addictions to alcohol and drugs and pornography and other things, we rank higher than most of the rest of the country. When it comes to mental health, we are, are percent, major percentage points higher than other places in the country. Suicide, depression, anxiety, these things, and, and these are especially high among teens and young adults. That this is some of the, the things that we are up against. People are stressed out and they're anxious about their work and their home and how am I going to afford this and and yet and yet I have this lifestyle that, that, that I have in my mind that I want to live and so 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 I'm, I'm trying to uh, figure out how I can spend my money to to best suit me and people are all over the place. More and more people who grew up with a faith background, who that grew up in in, in a Bible believing church, have decided for many numerous reasons and some of them. Some of them are okay, but, but because of these different things, they have chosen that they are going to be, believe in God, yes, but I want nothing to do with the church. The fastest rising um, uh, segment in uh, religion is the, uh, a segment called the nuns, which means that they believe in God, but they have no affiliation to anything, any church. Incredibly spiritual place. People are spiritual. People believe in spiritual things, and yet they are far from Jesus. This is this is where we live. This is this is our Jericho, if you will. Ninety-three percent of people who live in our from Indian Hills up to Pine, about seventy thousand people. 93% are far from God. 93% are unchurched. 93% don't have any, any belief system in who Jesus is, that they have no biblical understanding of Christianity. That's, that's, that's around 63,000 people men, women, and children, neighbors, co workers, friends, family. Meaning that every nine out of every ten people we meet, we run into on a daily basis, don't know Jesus, and are on their way to spend eternity separated from God. But this is the reality of where we live. This is the challenge of where we live. This is a Jericho, and I want to be honest, when you look at it, we are a small people here. Comparatively. what. How could we possibly ever make a difference here? How could we possibly ever do this? And that's why I am just declaring over the next few weeks, and I'm here to declare that we can't stay here. Physically, yes, we're going to stay here, okay? We're not moving locations. But we can't be satisfied with the fact that we have a small little church here because there are men and women that need to know the truth of Jesus. There are people throughout the foothills that we want to point to the reality that there is a God who loves them and he came for them to rescue them and redeem them. He wants a relationship with them. There are so many that don't know. We can't stay here. We can't stay here. And from our strength, in our ability, in our wisdom, we can't do it. But I believe that we serve a God who is able to take the most humble people and do incredibly more than we all we think or ask. It's Ephesians chapter 3. And so, so here's what I want to do. I just, just want to lay before you. Well, I've been working and trying to just bring some clarity. Okay, what are we all about here? What, what are we doing here? What, what is our mission here? And so I've tried to just just bring some clarity to that, so you know that we're not just we're not just some just another event on your already busy calendar, okay? Because I, I think that that's a that's a foolish pursuit. But we are so much more than that. And so so here is our mission as a church. Our mission as a church. Is we want to we are helping people discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus. This is the this is our rewording of the Great Commission. Okay, um, it's just in Matthew chapter twenty-eight, which um, you can go read it on your own. But so so this is our mission. We we are helping people discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus. What people all people. So I don't know if you know this, if you know someone or you fall into the all people category, but we are for you, okay? That's not funny, okay? Um, All people. We are here to help all people. I don't care your background. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've not done. We are here to help all people discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus. Some people have never discovered what that means. Some people have, ha, so some, so many of you in this room I know have, but, but we also believe that there is an infinite amount of Jesus to have, so we want to help all people deepen a relationship with Jesus. We want to help all people deepen a relationship with Jesus, and so and so this is our mission. This is why we exist, and we're going to talk about this a lot. You're going to hear us say this a lot, and you're going to get sick of us saying we want to help people discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus. We're just going to we're going to make you be able to just puke it up anywhere you go, okay? Um, and and so and so this is what we are all about. But but we also have a vision. I, I have really a dream of what I, what I hope this can become. And and so here here's. here's here's my dream. Here's here's the vision that I I would love us to see. We want to flip the script in the foothills in the next generation. This is the simplest way I could think to say it. There's so much more to it, and we're going to spend four weeks unpacking this, but we want to flip the script in the foothills in the next generation, and here's what I believe this means. I believe that in the next generation, so, so one generation is about 30 years, okay? So in the next 30 years, I want to pour my life out. I want to give my life to seeing the foothills go from 90% unchurched to 90% churched in the next 30 years. That, that, that this is my dream. This is my hope, and I can't do it alone. And we want to flip the script here. And so we're going to talk a lot about flipping the script. And there's a lot of different ways that we do that. But here's what I believe. I believe that flipping the script in the foothills begins with Jesus. It's all about him. That we believe everything is from him and to him and through him to the glory of him. That all things are about Jesus. If we're going to flip the script in the foothills, it's going to require a humanly illogical plan that's centered on the person of Jesus. I have this picture in my head. I was at, um, in, at Red Rocks for a worship thing back in October, and there was 10,000 people that packed into Red Rocks. And, 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 the, and there was just this incredible atmosphere of just worship, passionate, unhindered worship of Jesus. And I got to thinking. I was like, "Man, what if this was every single week here, that we were passionately worshiping the Creator of the universe?" And so I got this picture in Rome in Revelation chapters four and five. And you don't have to go there. I just, I just want to explain, explain a little bit to you. But there's this incredible picture that John paints in Revelation chapter four and five. And this is what he says. He says, and instantly I was in the Spirit, and I saw a throne in heaven, someone sitting on it. And the one sitting on the throne was brilliant as gemstone, like jasper and carnelian, and the glow of emerald circled his throne like a rainbow. And so you have this throne, if you will. This is a magnificent throne, as you can tell, um, it's, it's way less comfortable than yours, but that's okay. So, so, so just imagine this is the throne in, in John's vision. Ima- imagine that this is the throne, and there is only one person who is worthy to sit on this throne, and it's Jesus. But, but, but then the, 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 it goes on here to explain that there is this throne, but then surrounding this throne, surrounding this throne there are 24 other thrones, and they are the 24 elders and they're all focused on here. And as the, as the vision progresses, as the image progresses here, you begin to see, John begins to see, oh, okay, there's a throne in the middle. And there's 24 thrones. And then there's, there's circles. It's, it's, it's this image of circles. And, and there begins to be more. And then the lights kick on. Oh, there's, there's another level. Oh, 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 it's a stadium. And people, day and night, every living creature on the earth, in the earth, under the earth, are declaring worthy is the one who sits on the throne. Passionately worshiping all about Jesus. And it's all centered on him. All the action is there in the middle. Everyone is facing him. Everything is surrounding him. It's all about Jesus. This is the picture here. Everyone is facing in. Everyone is facing the throne. Because there is only one in the universe that is higher than above all things. There is only one in the universe that is worthy of that kind of attention. There is only one in the universe who is worthy of all the praise, all the worship, all the honor, all the glory. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. Whoa. It's the picture. And it just makes me think of our own worship here. It makes me think of how we live our day to day lives in worship of the one on the throne. You see, we when we when we gather at nine thirty on Sunday mornings, we don't we don't start the worship at nine thirty. We join the worship that's been going on, that's been echoing since eternity began. And when we wrap up around 10.30, 10.45, the, the, the worship service doesn't end. But, but it continues on, day in and day out, because he is worthy of it all. It's all about him. This is the picture that we get in Scripture of who Jesus is. You see, if we're going to flip the script in the foothills, then we have to remember that it's all about Jesus. That the worship doesn't begin and end when we gather in this room. The worship continues on throughout our week and how we live our lives, how we engage in the places we, we work, live, and play. That, that everything in our lives is all about Him. Bringing glory and honor and worship to Him. You see, mission exists because worship doesn't. Mission exists because worship doesn't. So so we have to flip the script here in the foothills. When we make everything in our lives about Him. That that, that when we gather in, like I can just imagine what this room would be like. When all of us leave and we, we, we live our week Monday through Saturday for the glory of Jesus, can you imagine the stories we would get to tell on Sundays when we gather? Can, we, can you imagine what, 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 what celebrations would be had in this room every single week because we are living for him? This is the vision and it's, it's gonna take time. It's going to require us to to deepen our relationship with Him. It's going to require us to help people discover Him. This is the hope. And if we're going to flip the script in the foothills, it has to be all about Jesus. Not just on Sunday. Monday through Saturday, too. If we're going to flip the script in the foothills, And we're going to get into these three in the next coming weeks. I'm going to unpack these first. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on these. But it's about us embracing our new identity in Christ. Our collective identity together as a church. Because this is the battle plan. You see, we have to understand that we flip the script when we understand that we are family. And when we're family, it changes the way we love one another, the way we interact with one another, the way we forgive one another, the way we care for one another we're going to flip the script in the foothills, it's going to require us to understand that we are servants. Because Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And now we get to live our lives in service to him by serving others. And then lastly, we are missionaries because Jesus came to us. He now tells us that he sends us out as we have been, as he was sent to us. We're going to unpack those more in the next few weeks. but we but we have to come back to all of them those things don't matter if it's not all about Jesus if it's not all about him we have to flip the script here in the foothills we have to flip the script here in the foothills and I'm going to be honest with you I've been terrified all week to share this with you because I know it sounds crazy i know it sounds unimaginable i know it sounds impossible and some of you are thinking well i don't know what i can do and honestly we're going to unpack that okay but but i just just want you to know this and so i want to encourage us with this okay okay Let's go back to Joshua chapter 6, because when it comes to seeing the impossible things that God places in front of us, when it comes to pursuing the vision and mission that God gives his people for a specific time and a specific place, we have to view it from the right perspective. We have to view it from the right perspective, because from our human perspective, it seems impossible and it seems illogical. And so let's go back to verse 1 again. Let's go back to verse 1 again. I want us to view this from a different perspective, a God perspective. This is what he says in Joshua chapter 6 in verse 1. He says, Now all the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. Because the people were afraid of Israelites of the Israelites. No one came in and no one went out. Okay, here's what we need to understand and what we need to know is that God had gone before the people of Israel. The, the, the people of Jericho had heard not how mighty the people of Israel were because you got to understand these guys have been in slavery for 400 years. This was not a mighty army that was well trained in combat. These were farmers. The people of Jericho were not afraid of the people of Israel, they were afraid of the God who went with the people of Israel. And so let me tell you something, that that, that even though our mission seems impossible, it is possible because of the God who goes with us. Not because of us, not because we're anything special, not because we have got everything put together, because we've got it all figured out, but because the God who gave us the mission is the one who goes ahead of us and he goes with us. And he makes the way for us. We will not accomplish this mission because we are super clever and we've got great strategies in all of these things. Not because of us in any way, but because we have the faith to believe in the one who gave us the mission to begin with. That we can step out in faith, that we can move forward in faith because of who God is. Not because of who we are. And this is the perspective we have to keep in focus. That it's not about us, it's about the God who goes with us. Matthew 28, verse 20, talks about, when, as you go making disciples, and you baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and you teach them to obey all that I've commanded. This is Jesus. He says, he says as you are doing these things, as you're discipling people as you're helping people discover and deepen a relationship with me as this is what's happening there I will be with you even until the end of the age you want to know why sometimes I think we don't experience more of the presence of Jesus in our lives is because oftentimes I don't know that we believe the mission that he's given us we like our comfort we like our security we like to stay where it's easy and, and unobtrusive to others but there's a God who goes with us when we step out in faith on the mission of God. So that's the first perspective. God goes ahead of them and God goes with them. But did you notice the verb tenses throughout verses two through five? Look at this with me. He says, But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king and its strong warriors. I have already given you. He says, you you and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast of the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can, and the walls of the town will collapse, and the people in charge can go straight into town. He says, I already have given you. This is what will happen. You shall do this. And so here's what we need to remember. When it comes to the mission of God, that as the people of God, we don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. As the people of God, we don't don't have to fight for victory because it's God's Battle to begin with. It already belongs to him, so we don't have to fight for victory. We get to fight from a place of victory. We get to know that the battle is the Lord's and he has already won. He has already conquered. And so, so we get to move forward in faith knowing that he has got it in his hand and in control. We can fight from victory. We can fight from victory. Listen, I think sometimes, oftentimes we don't engage in, in the mission of God that he has given us in our life. Because here's what I think. I think as a church we have a mission and a vision. But, but I think that as individuals, God has placed us in unique places with unique people around us in order to reach them for the, with, for the glory of God. That, that, that each of us have a unique mission within our own lives. And I think a lot of times the reason we don't engage more in that mission is because we are fearful of failure. We are fearful of failure. But can I just tell you that we don't, God God is not pleased with us because of the outcomes we produce. God is pleased with us because of the faith that produces obedience. He is pleased with our faith, not the outcomes we produce. Listen, it is not your job to save anyone. That job belongs to Jesus. You just simply get to be a witness to what he has done and is doing in your life. You simply tell your story to people and you are being faithful to what God has called you. You simply go and you say, listen, this is what God is doing in my life. This is how he's changing me. This is how he's transforming me. Hey, this is who I once was and this is who I am becoming because of Jesus. And when we simply tell people who we are and what Jesus is doing in faith, I believe that the Lord is pleased with that. Because it's not about the outcomes we produce. It's about the faith in the one who produces the outcomes. And so we move forward trusting God. This is the mission that we have been given. And we have all these excuses for why we can't do it. But at the end of the day, God has perfectly equipped you to reach the people he has placed you with, he has not left you hanging. He has not left you deserted. He has not asked you to do something that he will not go with you to do. So we step out in faith without making excuses. So the people of Israel, they're standing on the banks of the Jordan. And they have this battle plan from God and this mission from God. And like the generation before them, They have to make a decision. Will we cross? Will we engage in the mission of God to take the promised land that he has given us? Will we believe God beyond what our eyes can see, beyond what our minds can comprehend, beyond what we can ever imagine? Will we believe God over our own eyesight, beyond our own understanding? And so, unlike the previous generation before them, they decide that we can't stay here. That this mission is worth it. So the way I see it today is we have two options. We have two choices to make. Will we accept the status quo? Will we accept that, 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 that the enemy has laid claim to this place at this time? Will, will we just say, okay, this is just how it is, and I can't do anything about it? Will we choose to just stay here contented as things are? Or will we step out in faith, boldly and into the unknown, and say, God, I don't know how you're going to work it all out. God, I don't know how it's all going to play out, but I can't stay that this is a choice that I'm making today to step out in faith. And here's what I can guarantee you today. Here's what I promise you. As Joshua says at the end of his book, in Joshua chapter 24, that as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. We're not staying here. We're gonna pursue this with our whole hearts. We're gonna pursue making Jesus known to everyone, everywhere, Helping people discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus so the script can be flipped here in the foothills. So if you would bow your heads and close your eyes today. What is your choice today? What choice will you make? I'm gonna tell you something. We, we, we will love you whatever choice you make. But I just want you to know that we are going to pour ourselves out so that other people might discover and deepen a relationship with you. So that the script will be flipped here in the foothills in the next generation. That that over the next 30 years, we can see a transformation of what this looks like. And it's going to take time, and it's going to take patience, and and it's going to take hard work, and it's going to take a lot of prayer. But I can't think of anything I would rather give my life to. So what will your choice be today? I'm gonna unpack more of this over the next few weeks, but, but I just want you to wrestle with that question this week. I want you to take that question, I just want you to think, okay, what, what does this look like in my workplace? What's this look like in my home? What, what's this look like when, when, I, when I engage with my neighbors? Is this something I want to give my life to? Will this just be an event that I attend once a week? time that we make a choice will we stay here or will we not Jesus we need you today I pray Lord that you would help make us and mold us and shape us into a people of faith a people who are, who are not fearful of, of, what, of the unknown we're, we're not fearful of, of what the, the enemy might try and do because the enemy hates this he, he's not for this. He's going to attack us. He's going he's to rail against us. But you are worthy of it. You sit on the throne. And you are worthy of us giving our lives for this pursuit. So Jesus, I ask that you would make us a people of faith. That we wouldn't allow fear to control us we wouldn't allow the unknown to scare us, but that we would move forward trusting that you go with us and we don't have to fight for victory, we get to fight from victory. What a blessed assurance that is. Jesus, we need you though. We can't do this on our own. We're not capable or able. And so we pray and we ask that you bring awakening and revival in the foothills and beyond. Not because of us being anything special, but because you choose to work through the most humble people, the people who want you the most, the people who desire you. And so we desire your presence. We desire your power. As we see in the New Testament, you transform the entire world with the good news of your name. And may we live to that end. So Jesus, we need you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.